Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast. We're powered by DeerCast, and this is a special rut series called Just the Tip. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really focused on just tips to make you successful (laughs) during the rut. And we've got Mr. Terry Drury with us as usual. What's up, old man? How we doing, everybody? We're doing great. Hey, wanted to say that that podcast with you that we did on your 216 it's like going bonkers people the, the love children it. say it's fire it's fire okay fire. so just just starting with that real quick so last week the last couple episodes we've run out two episodes already of this special Feels rut like series and so the format basically we asked the rack pack the facebook group questions that they have for mm-hmm. an expert the expert wasn't us and uh we pulled in terry we're gonna ask him a couple questions that the rack pack gave us and he's going to answer them. So it's just going to be just a tip regarding what the question they had and uh short and sweet 15 to 20 minute episode. Yes. Or at least short. Okay. Maybe not so sweet. All right. You be the judge. So what do we have right out of the gate here? <laughs> okay. So um, the first question is brought to you by Hunter specialties from scent control solutions to the DOD signature line of deer calls. Hunter specialties has all the hunting accessories you need. It is fun just to peruse that website. Yeah. They got stuff you didn't even know you needed. Okay. Brandon Planks, Terry, he's wanting to know, does using a decoy do more harm than good? And in his, uh, in his experience, he says it seems to always make the deer a little too wary, which is my fear also. You know, reading some of these questions, you can't uh, really say enough about the questions that the Rack Pack has sent. They're all tremendous questions. So I love answering some of these, uh, particularly one like that, because we love and enjoy taking decoys. We've had tremendous luck with decoys, whether it be Joe Buck or Jane Doe. We use them both. Uh, Timing is pretty crucial. Keeping them scent free is difficult. Mm. Uh, You know, so spraying them down sometimes will work. But you got to be really, really careful about how much you use and and how much you put on them and what what spray you're actually using in what time of the year. Because if it's a little too early and they're not quite to that estrus cycle yet, mm-hmm. it may be something out of the ordinary that they're that they surely aren't ready for. And if it's a little too late or you're using the wrong scent when they're in the middle of the rut, then that can be uh, somewhat alarming to them as well. It's it's maybe as much about being unscented as it is to be scented. Hmm. So there's methods at which you can use. Obviously, you want to use gloves when you're handling them. We don't always do that, but we should. Sometimes it's do as I say, not as I do. Hmm. Uh, depends on the temperatures, obviously. But one of the, the tricks that you might use is dipping them in a pond. You know, it's always, the, the, if you've got a pond there close, it huh. doesn't hurt to dip them in there. If you've got some scent that you're concerned about, you could use some indigenous foods that you have around, whether it be hickory nuts, walnuts, cedar branches, uh, blackberry briars, anything that you've got that may smell Mm. rather natural, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't hurt just to rub it all over them, you know, on the legs and the nose and and the back and so on and so forth. So if you've had some difficulty with your sense, 
and you're overusing the sense, then maybe you might try something just a little bit different. But we have a lot of really, really good luck with it. HS has a buck bomb line that you can use. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got uh, they've got the scrape generator. They've got uh, the dough estrus. They've got what's the other one that's called uh, the buck rut. And those you've got to be really, really careful so that you don't overdo it. It's like that guy that walks into a bar and you can smell him That's 50 me. yards before he Tricard gets there. Noir. Mm. Yes. <laughs> or the girl that, you know, is in church six rows in front of you and you can smell her. Oil of so usually large. Yes. Just, <laughs> just don't overdo it. You know, those work really, really well. We put them on the ground, uh, that buck rut behind the buck in lieu of putting it on him. We'll spray a little bit on the ground close to his tarsal glands in the rear end there. And uh, the the doe estrus, same thing. We'll put it on the ground. We just don't overdo it. We're real cautious about how much we put on them. But once again, it might be as much about not having a scent on them mm -hmm. or over scent than under scent and using some kind of natural indigenous product. Uh, cedar branches work really good. Uh, walnuts, there isn't anything any stronger than a walnut you could smear on them if you've got walnut trees in your area. So just come up with something that you got there and uh, break it up and smear it all over them and see if that helps or dip them in a pond. That will get rid of a lot of, uh, a lot of scent. For some reason, I, when you said like using a natural product, I thought about having a belly full of apples <laughs> inside the decoy. <laughs> like oh, this, this decoy smells like apple. <laughs> Just got a belly full of apples. Is, is that baiting or is that? I don't know why I, gave myself the giggles i was like <laughs> you were looking offset somewhere trying not to break and i, I didn't see anything this is stupid i'm so stupid <laughs> i don't know why but i thought it was funny it's like a like a kong for you guys, dogs you guys are stupid consistently so we got to appreciate that yeah i think that's why people like the show <laughs> yeah, right, exactly or dislike it one or the other uh, <laughs> right but so so okay i'm, I'm hearing what you're saying scent, we try to be as scent free as possible on the decoy itself if you're going to use a scent like a buck bomb of, of some sort you would put it kind of behind, you know, behind the rear end there and you wouldn't, you know, blow out the grenade and use the whole can. You would just spray a little bit so it's not too strong, not too overpowering. Correct. A little bit goes a long way with a whitetail. You're thinking about a nose that can smell something at 400 yards. So you don't need a lot. It doesn't take a lot. That's why you're very, use it sparingly if you, if you use it at all. And, and, and I know you guys use this product because you're who told us about this product and it's not, this isn't the sponsor gig, but Evercom and Scott just picked up some today actually for us, but Evercom, where do you tend to put that Evercom on the nose a little bit and on the Hawks or wh where do you usually utilize that? On the doe decoy, we'll rub it a little bit on her tail end and then on her nose and her ears just a little bit, not a lot, but we do, we'll do, or we will rub a little bit of that on her. Absolutely. And yeah. what is that ever calm for people that don't know? I don't know what it's made of. It's supposed to be a natural, uh, I think they gather it from, from captive whitetails, I guess, but it's, it's like a stick, almost like a deodorant, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's extremely effective. It's hard to beat a whitetail's nose. That one works pretty well. I think they True. put a bunch of whitetails in a press and then squeeze them. You wouldn't think they'd be comes calm. Out. No, they, <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly whitetail adrenaline. But yeah, it's some sort, something that they emit, right? A calming s smell or something that they're emitting and, and they bottled that up somehow. Is that what it is? I don't know the makeup. All I know is it works. You know, it's good stuff. 
really is. Well, Terry, talk about um, positioning. Are, are you using decoys in the timber or is it just a kind of an open field scenario? Like just talk about the optics, I guess. Thank you for asking that. That's important because in that timber setting, it can be somewhat alarming to a whitetail, much like a turkey. If a turkey pops over a ridge and sees another decoy, mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll booger on it, and so will a whitetail. If it's uh, at 300 yards, 200 yards, 150 yards off, and they can make it out, it's a little bit different. Then they're a little more apt to approach that position than they would be if they popped up at 30 yards and it's standing there. It's somewhat alarming to them. Uh, And a lot of that is because of predation. That's one of the things in your area to this gentleman's uh, answer, you know, do you have a lot of coyotes in that area? Because they're really, really apprehensive if you have a lot of coyotes in your area and they're being chased and charged and bumped around all day long every day, uh, they're a little more apprehensive to come into a decoy set. We like using both and and timing, timing, timing is everything. You can, you can put a buck decoy out there when they start that sparring period, you know, and they're starting to feel their oats just a little bit and decide the pecking order. You know, that's when we start with that buck decoy and it works. It's a little more early season. And then as the season progresses and they start to come into estrus, there's a few available does that may come in first when those mature bucks are looking, that's when we switch over to a doe decoy. Uh, we will have that buck decoy somewhat facing us because they're going to approach him from the front. Mm-hmm. The doe decoy is just the opposite. We will have her tail end somewhat facing us. So because he's going to approach that doe from the rear end Animals. and you want to make sure that it's either broadside or quartering when they approach you so that you got a broadside or quartering away shot. So it's on just a slight angle when you put it out there, mm-hmm. same way with the buck facing you on a slight angle. So that when he comes in there and approaches that buck from the front, he gives you a quartering away or a broadside shot. So there is some there's some strategy about going around or how you place them and what angle you place them at. So this episode should air somewhere around the middle of uh, somewhere around November 2nd. That first week of November is when this should air. So have you switched to a buck at that point yet or you're or a doe rather? Are you still on a buck decoy? You know what? I, I would let the story still out on that. And I'll tell you why, because the moon wax is full here, I think, in a, in a couple of days. But I more than likely would still use a buck decoy because I haven't seen that just balls out fighting yet. We haven't seen that real aggressive. I think the temperatures have subdued and suppressed a majority of that. So this cold front that we've got coming uh, might might get that kicked into gear. But I think I'd still go with a buck for the first few days anyway, until I see where they're at in that cycle, you know, usually seven to 10 days after this moon, this is the hunter's moon, seven to 10 days after this wax is full, there should be some does that are popping. Popping does. So really, I mean, not too far off of when this hits another five days or so, you could probably start having some success with the doe decoy. 100%. Okay. Mm Yes. All right. We better jump to the next question. Let's... I hope that answered his question, you know. I'm sure we did good enough. All right. Track, the next question is brought to you by Tracker Off-Road. Whether it's chores around the property or going to retrieve your deer, Tracker Off-Road makes a side-by-side that's right for you. The EV really comes in handy. And frankly, the 800's really quiet. So uh, both good options. All right. Ben Malone, does the age of a deer affect their range during the rut? Will younger bucks travel more than older ones? Hmm. That's from Ben Post Malone. Posty. Post Malone. That's right. Posty. He is a uh, pop music 
creator uh, of the yeah. Post Malone. Yeah. Right. That's a reference. You too. <laughs> so anyway, I, I like this question because as a general, just a general topic, yes, it does make a difference. I think those, I think those three and four-year-old, two, three and four-year-olds, particularly three and four and a half, those deer travel a lot farther than a six, seven, and eight-year-old deer will. So <laughs> what you see is them consuming that body fat on a pretty regular basis. They run like racehorses and, they, and they'll make those rounds. Their circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when they drop their antlers in the spring and then the following year, they've got to put body fat on before they do the antler development. So sometimes you actually see that rack go backwards a little bit from age three to four or four to five. Four is where they really put the miles on, in my opinion. Rackers. Not every deer is identical. And these are general generalizations. Not every deer is identical. It's not uncommon to have a mature deer that does uh, hit some pretty long home areas. And I say that in those in those bigger, let's say those bigger uh, destination feed fields over in Illinois or those massive blocks of, of timber, they travel miles. We, and we had one deer that, that har uh, forest harvested last year, a deer called Junkie, two miles a day seven cameras in 24 hour period. He was an absolute walker. And, uh, you know, he was six and a half years old or was he seven and a half, seven and a half. So here was a deer and these are, these are all different. Not every deer is the same, but he walked a lot As for an old deer. It was any, that's why he was so hard to kill. We had a, a tough time killing him. Um, Mick Dundee, I get to throw that name out here again. I was wondering when we bring that how, up. How big did he go, Jerry? He, 12 minutes. He had a small <laughs> home core area because we aren't to that point yet where they're walking very, very far. Yeah. This warm weather had suppressed it. They stuck close to water holes. His, his home range had not expanded yet. These deer weren't traveling. It was just too hot. I mean, we were 20 degrees above average temperature. Mm. When they got to an area that they were close to water, they were, you know, to and from bed and to and from water. And it, they just didn't range very far. It's the reason we mashed in on him before this weather hit. And I think we're going to see some of these home quarter areas start expanding in drastic distances. <laughs> we, but I would agree with him. The, the three and four year olds will travel a little bit further than the five, six and seven year olds. As of, you know, when we're filming this, it's the end towards the end of October, we were starting to see on our cameras, deer's range, you know, the amount that they're traveling start to increase and pick up and starting to show yeah. up on two different cameras on two different parts of the farm, that type of stuff within, you know, not too, you know, a couple hours within a couple hours of each other. Sure. So it just feels like we're in that period. Um, by the time this airs, you would think, <clears throat> you know, I'm hopeful most of it's in the middle of the night, you know, because of the temperatures, I'm hopeful that some of that starts becoming a daylight activity yeah. with the great cold. I think mornings are going to be in like the twenties. Yes, you will see that. And it is just starting that, that, uh, expansion that we're talking about the, of their home court is just starting. And this cold weather should get them up on their feet. I think mornings are going to be really, really good uh, coming up here. So I hope, I hope evenings and, and afternoons are as well. I, man, we've been waiting on this and this should be a light switch event. We've said it uh, a few times, but uh, I'm hoping this finally kicks it in and gets them going. Well, Terry, just one last question on this piece. What, uh, what a doe densities have to do like in terms of factoring into how much deer bucks are going to be moving during the rut. It, that's a, a fine line as well, because we're so assertive and so aggressive when it comes to doe management, but we have a, 
this is like the maternity ward here because we have so many does, adult does that come in and have their bonds here. So we always have an ample supply with our deer density. Not all areas are like that. So you can get a little too assertive and too aggressive and harvest a few too many does if you don't have the deer density that that you do in, in some other spots. So you're constantly checking, making sure that you know what your buck to doe ratio is, because if you harvest too many does, he's going to just tip over the fence and go to the neighbor, you know, and harvest or or maybe find a doe over there that's in estrus. So you got to be really careful and kind of check how many, how many, uh, but what your buck to doe ratio is and what your deer density is. And, and just kind of keep note of that. And, and when you harvest a doe, because I don't think most people are as assertive and as aggressive as we are when it comes to harvesting does, we, we shoot a lot of does each and every year. I think that could be Terry's motto for life. We shoot a lot of does. All right. I think we're at the time. So I'm going to close her up. Okay. <clears throat> that was show three. That was episode three. Just the tip. By my count, episode four is next. All right. Until next time. Peace out. Thanks, guys. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind checkout to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast. DeerCast.